Today's scripture reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. Chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Well, friends, good to have you here with us online. Uh, let me pray for us as we come and hear God's word together. Let's all pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks indeed for this opportunity to hear from you. Father, we pray that in the midst of these uncertain times, we pray that your word would speak comfort and assurance into our hearts. Father, we pray that you would open our hearts to you, open our hearts to understand your truth, and to respond to you uh, with hearts made alive by your Spirit, in faith, uh, with obedience, with trust. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, two Christians were talking about church. And one of them asked the other, you've been attending for some time, but I notice you're not very connected with other folks in the church. And I see you at the worship services, but you are usually in a hurry to come and go. So why not try to get more involved in the life of the church? Thankfully, when the, the friend heard this, the friend didn't take umbrage. The friend replied, I'm actually quite a committed Christian. I read, I read the Bible. I pray consistently. Uh, I'm learning lots from sermons, online sermons. I go for Bible studies. And I feel like I'm growing as a Christian. And since I'm growing so well, I wonder if being a part of the church will just slow me down. So hearing this, the, the other friend said, have you considered joining a church to help others speed up? Right? We live in an age where spirituality has been reduced to a private, personal pursuit. All that matters is just me and my relationship with God. Individualism and consumerism have affected the way we understand the church. So instead of thinking about the church as a community of God's people, uh, the church is often viewed as a spiritual service provider. And we are like the religious consumers who choose to go where we think we can benefit most from the services on offer. 
What does it mean to grow as a Christian? Many of us may define spiritual growth in rather individual terms. But while it's important to consider our personal growth, the Bible's understanding of growth goes beyond the individual, beyond just single Christians. The Bible's understanding of growth focuses on how God is growing His people. So take a moment to think, how am I helping others in the church to grow? And how are others in the church helping me to grow? We're halfway through our sermon series on the church and we've been looking at passages in Ephesians to hear what God's Word says about the church. Given that we are temporarily separated, it's vital that we do not lose sight of who we are as God's people. So our aim in this series is to know who we are and to know how we should live as the church. And this series focuses on four aspects of our identity, our purpose, and mission. So, so far we've seen uh, how, the, how the church is a people created by the gospel, for the gospel. The church is a people gathered by the gospel, displaying the glory of Christ through our unity and our life together. And we heard from Pastor Ian last week, uh, his final sermon before he left. Next week, we'll hear about how the church is a going people, the people going with the gospel to make disciples of the nations. And today, we'll hear from the passage that Tenchai read for us, Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, and what this passage says about our purpose as God's people. We are people who grow together to become more like Jesus. So in our sermon today, we'll be looking at three points from this passage. Number one, where does our growth come from? Number two, what are we growing towards? And number three, how do we go? How do we grow? So where does our growth come from? What are we growing towards? And how do we grow as God's people? And I pray that as we hear God's word, we will invest ourselves in one another's spiritual growth so that the whole church is built up in love. So firstly, where does growth come from? So verses 11 to 12. In the verses right before our passage, Paul speaks of how each believer is given grace gifts from Jesus Christ. And we receive these gifts not because we've earned them, but only because of what Christ has done for us uh, to save sinners like us. Our sins separated us from God, who is perfectly holy and righteous. But God, because He is rich in mercy and love, He sent His Son for us and for our salvation. Jesus, who is fully God, left the glories of heaven and descended into the earth. He humbled Himself and took on flesh, becoming fully man. And Jesus died on the cross to save us from sin. And He took God's wrath in our place so that we can be forgiven and brought back to God if we trust in Christ alone. I think we've heard this gospel uh, throughout this sermon series about how we are saved through Jesus Christ. And on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. He ascended back to heaven, victorious over sin and death. Now, Jesus' ascension was his coronation as king. 
and all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And as he ascends back to the Father, Jesus establishes, or rather the Father establishes the rule of his Son. Jesus rules as God's chosen King over all of creation. And this is the reason why Paul says in verse 10, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So what on earth is Jesus doing now? Jesus says in Matthew 16 verse 18, I will build my church. So Jesus is ruling over all things for the sake of his church. I think Paul tells us about this in chapter 1, verses 22 to 23. He says, God put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him as head over all things, for what purpose? To the church, for the good of the church, for the sake of his people. Why? Because we, the church, we are his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, friends, this is so comforting to hear in these uncertain times that we, the church, we are the body of Christ and the risen and ascended Lord fills us with his presence. He gives gifts to his people to build his church. Jesus is the head of the church. He is the source of growth. So friends, as we hear these words, I pray that we will continue to cling to Christ, to rely on Him and not ourselves. Don't trust in our own abilities. Don't trust in our resources, our plans, our programs. I think COVID is a very uh, present reminder that even the best laid plans will change. Even our resources have a limit. But we can trust Jesus because he fills the church with his presence. He's the one who gives gifts to his people in order to build his church. And one very real way in which we trust in Jesus is by listening to him, by obeying his word. So we submit the way we do church to scripture. Even when it's, incom- even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's inconvenient, Even when scripture seems to go against what we think makes sense for the church. But friends, we trust Jesus by laying aside what we think we should do and we listen to him, we obey his word. We conform our life, including the life of our church, to what scripture says and we're willing to humble ourselves to listen to what his word says. This is what it means to trust in Jesus and not ourselves. Jesus is the head of the church. He is the source of growth. We can cling to him and find confidence in him. So what or who are the gifts that Jesus gives to his church? Verse 11 says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. Jesus saves people and then he gives them back to his people for their good. So apostles and prophets receive revelation directly from God and the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. 
on, on the truth that they have received from God and the truth that they have proclaimed back to God's people. The evangelists are those who preach the gospel and they plant churches, they call people to faith in Jesus Christ and they gather these new believers into churches and they plant churches. So they're a bit like the missionaries that we know of today. So they go to different parts of the world and proclaim Christ. So these are the evangelists. Pastors are also called elders in the New Testament. And pastors, elders, we are responsible for guiding and guarding God's people by teaching God's word. Pastors, elders aren't the only ones who teach. And Paul says they are also teachers who are given to the church. You know, these could be Sunday school teachers, care group leaders, small group Bible study leaders, and, and so on, equip people who teach the equipped classes. So these are gifts that God has given to the church for the good of the church. Now, the one thing these different roles have in common is these different roles focus on the teaching of God's word. They, they tell us that in order for the church to grow, we need to be planted in the soil of Scripture. And the gifts that God gives the church are centered on the teaching of the Word of God. So what are these gifts for? Paul says, apostles, prophets, evangelists, prophets, and teachers are to, second, the first part of verse 12 say, equip the saints for the work of ministry. So I want us to note that these folks who are given to the church, they don't do all the work themselves. Rather, their role is to train the saints for ministry. Now, who are the saints? The saints are not a special class of Christians. Rather, saint is a New Testament term for all believers in Christ. Therefore, every believer is to do the work of ministry, equipped by these gifts that God has given to the church. So everyone is involved in the work of ministry not only the leaders of the church, not only the staff of the church, but every one of us. There is no clergy or laity divide in the life of the church. So the, the role of the elders, the pastors, elders, the deacons, the staff of the church, our role is to equip and enable the rest of the church to do ministry. So all of us are involved in the work together. We are co-laborers. We are not consumers. So let me, I think we understand this in our families. Right? So in our families, everyone chips in for the good of the family. So for example, in my family, uh, we, we're trying to teach our boys to take responsibility, especially at mealtimes. Right? So before we start our dinner or, or a meal, we encourage our boys to help set the table, to give them a, a, a stake in what we're doing. Right? They, they're, they're in it together with uh, their parents. Right? We do it together. So they help set the table and when we're done with the meal, they help clear the table and they tidy up their whole dining area. You know, we expect them to tidy up their rooms as well and, and so on and so forth because they are a part of this working household. They are uh, co-laborers together with uh, Claire and I as parents. You know, and if they, if, they, if they decide not to work, you know, if they skive off, then we say, hey, you know, you're not you know, you're not guests at this hotel. This is a working household, right? You have a part to play for the good of this household. And so it is with the church as well. This is a church family. And in this church family, there they are spiritual fathers, there are spiritual mothers, there are spiritual brothers, there are spiritual sisters. 
and together we chip in, together we care for and shape our body life. You know, we, together we encourage one another, we invest in one another, we build up the whole body together. So friends, we don't have to live like spiritual orphans because God has brought us into this spiritual family. And we're not consumers, we're not merely visitors, but friends, if, if we are here as members of this local church, we are fellow members of this household of God. And we all have a stake in the well-being of this household. So don't be self-centered, but love and serve others. And don't be proud, but accept love and service from others. All the members of the church family are called to do the work of ministry. And all the members of the family are called to receive ministry from one another. We minister to one another, even as others minister to us. So the job of the elders, you know, my role as a pastor, is not to do ministry on your behalf. My role is to equip and train all of you for the work of ministry. And that's the role of all the elders as well. The elders of the church, we are not the ones who, who do all the ministry. But our role is to equip the rest of the church so that we do ministry together as one spiritual family. Now, equipping obviously involves the teaching of God's word. And then we entrust the truth of God's word to others so that others can teach others. But equipping is also relational. It involves sharing our lives, being a faithful example of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Equipping means being willing to give ministry away, to share the work of ministry, giving ministry away to others and then encouraging them as they serve alongside. You know, I, I like this description of uh, what that process looks like. Right? I do, you watch, and then we talk about it. Right? I do, you help, and then we talk. You know, we discuss how that went. And then the next step is you do, I help, and then we talk. Right? I give you feedback about how that was and I encourage you. Then you do, I watch, and then we talk. And finally, you do, and someone else watches, and this process of discipling and equipping continues across the ages, across the life of the church. And this is what this equipping ministry looks like. Right? It's not just downloading information or knowledge into one another, but really it's coming alongside one another, strengthening one another, helping one another to serve alongside so that we encourage one another towards greater and greater faithfulness and fruitfulness for the sake of the kingdom. Uh, we have this responsibility to foster in the church a culture that encourages people to step up into ministry. We want to build a culture that speaks strengthening words of, of those who are beginning to serve. So instead of criticizing them or, or harshly saying things, what, you know, pointing out, flaws in their service, let's think about ways we can encourage and build up as people step forward to serve. You know, how are we strengthening and giving thanks for those who serve among us? How, how are we affirming them, uh, speaking words of encouragement to them? How are we thanking God for them and the work that they do among us? How are we coming alongside them and serving with them as they serve the body? Friends, this is what it looks like to foster a culture where together we are stepping up 
into service. And this is the culture that we need to strengthen here at GBC. Jesus has empowered and equipped all of us to do ministry together. Friends, we have diverse gifts, we have diverse opportunities, and we don't have to serve in the same way. We can serve in many different ways in the life of this body. But we share the same goal. Paul says we do ministry for this goal, building up the body of Christ. So the whole church comes together to strengthen the whole church. That, that's what ministry looks like in the New Testament. So what are we growing towards? You know, as, we, as we think about building up the body of Christ, it's important that we all work with the same blueprint. You know, once uh, these builders tried to build a, a really tall tower, and because they couldn't speak the same language, they couldn't agree on what they were building. And as you can imagine, that massive building project ended in failure. That's the Tower of Babel. So when we come together to build, we need to know what are we building? Are we just building our own ministries, our own areas of service in the life of the church? No, I think we're building something larger than that. What does it mean to build up the body of Christ? No, there are many pragmatic measures of church growth. Could be a nicer building, a newer building, could be a larger budget, more programs, more participation in those programs, more classes, more seminars, more services, more congregations, increased attendance and membership. You know, these are many, many pragmatic measures of church growth. Now, these measures are not, necessar not necessarily bad in themselves, but I, I would say they don't go deep or far enough. In verse 13, Paul tells us the goal of growth. So we are to build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Friends, this is what we are building towards. This is what God is calling us to grow towards. Let's unpack this in three parts. Firstly, the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. God has united us in Christ. We know unity is His doing. It is His gift, as we heard last week. But while we don't create unity, we are responsible for maintaining and strengthening it. If the gospel gathers us, then the, the thing that keeps us together is that same gospel. So we stay together by knowing Jesus more and more. I think that's why Paul says what, what strengthens our unity is the unity of the faith, unity of the truth, unity in the truth, the truth of the faith, unity of knowing Jesus, the knowledge of the Son of God. Friends, our common commitment to God's truth is what keeps us together, not human institutions or structures, not our programs, not our socials, or no matter how many times we gather as a, you know, in, in, in a service, it's, it's not those things, but really it's, it's our common commitment to God's truth. Without God's truth and without this shared 
commitment to God's truth, we will not stay together. Therefore, Paul is urging us to grow in God's word and to help others to grow in God's word as well. So we all, Paul says, we all have this responsibility. All of us are to grow together by being of one heart and one mind in knowing, believing, and obeying God's truth. Only when that happens will we truly be united as God's people. The other part of the goal is to mature manhood. Basically, God wants us to grow up, to not remain childish. So this unity, division, and broken relationships in the, in the church are a sign of spiritual immaturity. I think you, you read about this in 1 Corinthians 3. Paul admonishes the church. He says to them, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants, as immature. Infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Paul addressing this unity and division in the Corinthian church says, you all are behaving childishly. You're behaving like infants, babes in the faith. And maturity is the opposite of what Paul describes in verse 14 of our text. It says in verse 14 in Ephesians 4, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So to be mature means to be rooted and grounded in Christ and his gospel. And because we are stable in Christ, we are not led astray or shaken by false teaching or nowadays conspiracy theories. Now our hearts and minds are not captured by an unhealthy fascination with peripheral peripheral matters. I think those who give themselves to chase after this or that conspiracy theory show that their minds are actually fixed on things that don't matter, things on the fringe. And then they've kind of missed the main thing about Christianity, which is the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. So we need to ask ourselves, have we missed the glorious center of Christ himself? Are we stable because we are founded on Christ? We are fixed on the glorious center of the gospel. What are we more passionate about? The latest news or theory we've heard? Or are we most passionate about the amazing truths about God and our salvation in Jesus Christ? Now, what do we share most on WhatsApp? What do we speak to one another about the most? What dominates our prayer life? What dominates our conversations with one another? What do we talk about in our CGs? Is it the glorious gospel and and the fruits of that gospel? Friends, that's what maturity looks like. Maturity means being able to distinguish truth from error, right from wrong. It means being able to encourage others with God's truth. It means actually being able to teach God's truth. It doesn't have to be public teaching like this, but basically just speaking God's truth for the building up of others. For example, in Hebrews 5, it says, For though by this time you 
ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. So Hebrews is describing immaturity. Right? And what does that look like? It means that we're, we're still building that foundation. We're not able to teach and encourage others. Hebrews says you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child. So friends, I, I think Ephesians 4 is urging us to, to move away from childishness, to move away from immaturity, and to move to maturity so that when we're not divided, uh, we're not led astray, and we're able to speak words that build up and teach others what it means to grow in Jesus Christ. And the third aspect of the goal is to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Ultimately, we are growing towards a person. Right? Growth is not just measured by secular KPIs or, or worldly measures of health, but ultimately we are growing to a person, towards Christ, to become more and more like Him. He is the source of growth. He is also the goal of growth. Paul says in verse 15, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. God's will for every one of us, if we belong to Him, is that we be conformed to the image of His Son, that we look more and more like Jesus. So friends, what do we need in order to grow? We need more of Jesus not less. We need more gospel, not less. Growth means the whole church becoming more like Jesus. We pursue holiness together, hating our own sins and desiring more of God and His goodness. A growing church will reflect more of the fullness of Christ's character. That's what it means to be filled with the fullness of Christ. We reflect more of His glorious grace and goodness. We reflect more of His beauty, the beauty of His gentle compassion. We reflect more of His patient mercy and His holy, steadfast love. Friends, I'm, I'm encouraged by how so many of us are actively involved in ministry, in serving in various ways. You know, all things considered, we are a busy church. Many of us serve in CGs, in Bible studies, men's and women's groups. Many of us are involved in children's ministry. And by the way, I encourage you to serve in children's ministry if you haven't already. There are real needs in that ministry. Many of us serve on the welcome team, on the worship team, on the AV team. None of, it, none of this is possible without the faithful ministry of the AV team. Many of us serve in classes during the week, whether it's equipped or other forms of classes. Friends, we are a busy church. Many things going on in the week. And even with the COVID restrictions, all these things are still happening online. But friends, amid all our activity, you know, I, I pray that we will keep our eyes fixed on Christ because He is the goal of our growth. He's the goal of all that we do. You know, we're not simply getting things done. Ministry is not just accomplishing a whole bunch of tasks. No, ministry is about growing one another in Christ-likeness. 
That's the goal of ministry. So whatever we do, the goal is the same. We are seeking to build one another up to become more and more like Jesus. So how do we grow? Verses 15 and 16. If Jesus is the goal of growth, then how do we get there? Paul says it is by every member of the body of Christ speaking the truth in love to one another. He says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So let's unpack this, these verses further. So we are to speak the truth. Speak the truth. So what does it mean to speak the truth? Now, this is not license to be brutally honest with one another. Right? That's not what Paul means. Paul doesn't mean, you know, just, just be honest, say whatever comes to your mind about one another. Right? So Paul is not saying you know, to go to one another and say, hey, you've gained weight, you better go on a diet. So he's not, he's not talking about that kind of, of kind of plain speaking, straight talking honesty. No, that's, that's not what Paul means by speak the truth. The truth refers to God's truth, right? It's the truth. Not, not simply speak truthfully, but speak the truth, God's truth, His word and His gospel. We are to speak God's word and the truths of the gospel into one another's lives. And we do so by reading the Bible with one another, studying the Bible with one another in small groups or one-on-one. You know, we do so by coming, on, you know, coming together as a church and hearing the Word of God together. You know, we, we speak the truth in love. Or we speak the truth by maybe talking about the sermons that we hear, discussing them, helping one another to apply God's Word to our lives. We attend uh, the midweek classes like Equip and we talk about ways that we can live out God's truth as we hear His Word about work, about singleness, about marriage, about the roles of men and women. Right? We are helping one another to flesh out the applications of God's truth in all these different areas. We also speak the truth through the informal conversations that we have with one another. And I would put it to us that this is how speaking the truth happens most of the time in the life of the church. Speaking the truth doesn't just happen in our formal ministry time, but, more, but a lot of the time, speaking the truth happens informally, in, in, the, in, in what we say to one another, over lunch, over coffee. It's, in, it's through all these informal conversations that we have with one another that we are speaking God's truth into one another's lives. So it might not be a Bible study per se, but it could be us just sharing godly wisdom and encouragement with one another. It could be us sharing comfort from God's truth with one another, sharing the hope of the gospel with one another as we journey with one another through the ups and downs of life. That's how speaking the truth happens in the life of the church, through all these informal conversations that we have with one another during the week. Paul says we are to speak the truth in love. So how do we speak the truth? We do so with love. Love for God and with love for one another. So we don't use the truth to win arguments 
We don't use the truth as a weapon to put someone else down. We don't speak judgmentally or self-righteously. We don't use the truth to bludgeon someone else into submission. Instead, our aim is to love God and to love the person that we speak to. So what does this look like? I think Paul tells us in verse 2 of chapter 4, we speak with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. So communication isn't simply about getting our point across. Communication is two ways, right? So communication also means helping the other person to receive God's truth so that they are strengthened, so that they are built up. That's what it means to speak the truth in love. We, we use our words to build up, not to tear down. I think that's why Paul says in verse 29 of this same chapter, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion. So the right word spoken at the right time in the right way, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Who hear. So that's the aim. Right? We, we speak the truth in love so that we might give grace to those who hear. So friends, God's truth and God's love are not opposed to each other. Why should they be? Because they both reflect the character of our God. God's truth and God's love both go together. Therefore, we, we grow by learning God's truth in the context of loving relationships with one another in the body of Christ. We grow together by learning in community. So, so that's the heart of what it means to, to do life as a church. We learn in community. So ask ourselves, what am I learning from God's word? And whom am I teaching what I am learning? So learning is not just about an individual growing, but learning is about an individual growing so that he can help others to grow as well. So what am I learning from God's word? And whom am I teaching? What am I, what I am learning? So here's a simple framework for ministry that I got from this book, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. It's an excellent book by Paul Tripp if you want to read more. But basically, this simple framework for ministry involves these four things. We love, commit to loving one another with Christ's affection. We know one another. We invest effort to know one another better. We're quick to listen, slow to speak, so that we can learn more about one another's lives and so be able to speak as fits the occasion. Then we speak the truth. Right? We speak the truth in love into one another's lives. And then we do. Right? We encourage one another to put into action what the truth that we are speaking. We encourage one another to trust and obey God's truth in all of life. So we love, know, speak, and do. And the whole body makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It's not enough that we grow as individual Christians. We are to grow together as one body. And we need one another in order to grow. 
But friends, if, if you attend GBC regularly, then I encourage you to become a member of the church. When we choose not to commit to community, it's as if a body part is missing. And we hinder the body's growth if we simply take without giving, if we're not contributing actively to the growth of this body. So as we think about the whole body growing together, it means that growth is not just the growth of one CG or the growth of one ministry in the church, but really what we are aiming for is the growth of the entire body. It's, it's an example of how the, the stronger can help the weaker, how those who are faster can help those who are slower to catch up. We grow together. I think this understanding of growth helps those of us who would maybe perhaps we think that we are more mature. This will help us to learn patience and love as we come alongside our brothers and sisters to help them to grow as well. The whole body grows together. So friends, we need to beware of ministry silos, of segmenting our ministries and separating them from one another, and then being territorial about our areas of service. We need to understand that the, the, that the different ministries of the church are not competing, but complementary. We are playing on the same team, with the same goal. And when the whole body grows, we all win. So it's not about me growing my ministry or you growing that ministry. No, it's about how we can work together. All, all our different ministries working together, not necessarily doing the same thing, but working together with the common goal of building up the whole body of Christ. You know, I, I, you know those of us who go to the gym, I, I think one piece of advice that, that they often say is don't skip Leg day, right? So, you know, and maybe guys have a, have a temptation to do this. So they work their upper bodies, right? Because the upper bodies are most, are most visible. So they get their upper bodies really pumped, but they kind of neglect their legs. And then they end up maybe looking like that photograph in the picture that you see on the slide, right? So the advice is always don't skip leg day, right? Make sure you work your whole body. Your total body gets a good workout. So that's what Paul says in this text. The body grows when each part legs included, when each part is working properly. Each of us has a part to play. Jesus Christ, our head, empowers and equips every single member of the body to serve. Every single member. God's grace was given to each one of us. Verse 7. The body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. All of us are involved in bodybuilding. So as fellow members of GBC, God holds us responsible for one another's spiritual growth. So how can we help to build the body? Some practical ways for us to think about. So how can we help to build the body? You can pray. Pray for the church. Get a copy of the membership directory. If you're a member of the church, get a copy of the membership directory from the church office and maybe take time to pray through the membership directory. On every page of the directory, there are photographs and names. Every day, maybe just pray for one page of the directory. So you may or may not know everyone in the directory, but maybe pray for them and maybe commit to getting to know them as well. 
Maybe when you see them, you know, if we're able to gather again and you see them on a weekend, just tell them, hey, I, I prayed for you this week. Or perhaps you can even drop them a message and ask them, how can I pray for you this week? So pray, pray for one another. Not just, not, not just the people that we know of in our CG, but as far as we can, pray for the entire body of Christ here. And the best way to do that is to get a copy of the membership directory and pray through that. We help the body grow by showing up. Now, obviously now we can't gather physically, but I look forward to the time when we can gather again. And in those days, you know, show up. Show up for service. Show up for the monthly prayer meeting on Zoom. Show up for the members' meetings. You know, there's a lot to be said you know, in terms of just being present, showing up. That's how we build up the body. We help build the body by meeting up. We meet up in our CGs. We meet up one-on-one. -on -one. We open our homes and our lives to others for hospitality. We meet up with one another. That's a wonderful way of building up the body, making ourselves available, opening our lives to one another. And this is related to the next point. Open up. Do life together. Share our struggles with sin. Share our struggles with suffering with one another. Get to know others. Listen to their struggles. Pray with them. Also allow others to get to know you and care for you. Right? Open up. And then we can reach out. Reach out especially to those who are absent or irregular. Reach out to those on the fringe of the community, those who may be disengaged, those who may be disconnected, those who may be unable to come physically. You know, reach out to them. Show the love of Christ to them. That this pursuing love of Christ that, that takes the initiative, that goes out to reach others. So friends, these are just some practical ways for us to think about ways we can build up the body. We can pray, we can show up, we can meet up, we can open up. We can reach out. And I want to bring to our attention this new resource page on our church website as well, called the New Beginnings for New Christians. You know, some of us may be meeting with young Christians. We want to disciple them. We want to strengthen them in the faith. Or some of us may be young Christians ourselves. And we're wondering, how can I build, help strengthen uh, my own faith? Or maybe help others to strengthen their faith as well. So if you go to that web page on our website, it, we are curating a... Uh, uh, a collection of resources that we can use to disciple one another and to strengthen one another in the faith. So it's called the New Beginnings for New Christians and you can find it on that page of our website. If you just take a photo of that, you can go to the link later. So who are we? We are the church, the people growing towards Christ, helping one another become more like Him. So friends, I want us to be encouraged the sovereign God who is all-wise and all-powerful, He gives the growth. And thanks to His power at work within us, God will cause His church to grow for the sake of His own glory. So even as we give ourselves to serve the body of Christ, we do so trusting in His power. As Paul says in Ephesians 3 verses 20 to 21, and we've been using these two verses for our benediction in our services these past few weeks. Paul says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations 
forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement from your word. And Father, we pray that you would help us to work with one another for the good of your church. Help us to do ministry together to build up your body. Not just a particular ministry, not just one CG, but Father, help us to all work together to build up the whole body of Christ, to know that we are in this together and that we are co-laborers in this great work that you have entrusted to us. So Father, we pray that you'd strengthen us, give us grace to do so, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.